0: Well, good evening, everyone. It's been a while since I've last spoke. It's actually been almost a year, believe it or not. It was J- June 19th, 2016. And so I was thinking when I was reviewing some of my notes to see where I left off, it was like, like I, it was wow. So I thought I better review kind of what I did prior. And it actually ended up that when I went through my notes, I actually didn't finish the last time, and I had a little thing. So you're going to see see that kind of as we do a catch up. But just to kind of give you what I am doing today, Um, We'll be looking at chapter three in the the book of James. And of course, as you see, the big picture here is slow to speak. And so we're gonna get into a lot of details about that in just a few, hopefully over the next few minutes. Um, But just so we can get caught up of where we were. So basically in chapter one, the book of James, it starts off by, um, it gives you the whole purpose of the book, which is to become a servant. And so you kind of, we, go, we looked at the definition of a bond servant and um, kind of the, the different aspects of it. Like we looked at basically trials and that when God puts us through trials, the idea is that it perfects us, that it, it purifies us. Um, just like the idea of when you heat a metal, the impurities rise to the top and you're able to skim them off. So it, of course, I mean, there's different things that kind of come out of that, like patience and um, asking God for wisdom. And so these are different concepts that came up in the chapter one. And um, there was also, like I said, we, it doesn't apply whether you're rich, whether you're poor. There were things that each of us uh, through trials can get or gain. So it's not something that is just for um, one set of people. Now at the end of chapter one, it gives us a verse, and it's verse, uh, I think, 1 and 19. This is it right there in 20, and it goes, I could read it, but it basically, uh, it gives us these three concepts, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And the cool thing about this is that this is actually laying out the, the outline for the next few chapters. Like, for example, chapter two is swift to hear. You'll see that in a second. Chapter three is slow to speak, and chapter four is slow to wrath. And so when you add all that up, it's kind of the instruction manual uh, to becoming a servant. But you'll, you'll, like I said, we'll hopefully be able to bring all this together. It's trying to get all cut up here. So this is kind of, if you were to scatter it all over a splat on one big page, the whole book, this is what it would look like. So the idea is it's becoming a servant, and of course there's things like stop favoritism, slow to speak, pure, willing, peaceable, it's all there. But don't worry, I mean, we can make quite a bit more sense of it if we just put it in order here. So, like I said, we, I'm going to be looking at, this is what we looked at last time. So before, like I said, we, in chapter one, we had the bond-servant trials, temptations, and it's like I said, it's our response to those. And then, of course, in chapter two, it was swift, hear, and um, so the idea is, um, you 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 hear and you do, um, and as or, and that's where we kind of talk about works. And um, another concept was basically, don't be a hearer only. Don't be just someone who kind of lets it come in your ear in and then out and do and do nothing about it. So when you when you hear something, you take action. And um, again and. Again, like I said, no favoritism. It applies to anyone. And uh, faith and works are always together. So that's kind of the concepts that you got there. And uh, today, like I said, we're going to be looking at Chapter 3, but I'll get to that. So, of course, if you re- might remember, this is where we were uh, in Chapter 2. Like I said, I'm just going to do go through this quickly here. So here we have... Uh, the bigger concepts that we kind of learned in Chapter 2 was obedience and hum, being humble. Partiality again. This slide I skipped last time, so I'll skip it again. And of course, this is where I had my notes, obviously, right along the bottom. When I went home the last time, I, uh, I made a big note, start here. So this is where I obviously left off. So let's, let's start, we'll start the message here, but this is technically the message of the last time, not this time. This is chapter three, this is obviously in, still in chapter two. So like I said, I'm gonna stay here. I'm trying to stay close to the screens. I, I, I don't have glasses. I should have a pair, but I don't. So I'll stay close. Oh, and I am trying different things, by the way. Normally I have lots of notes, but I, last time I was here I had notes. And then I found that anytime I went to look at them, I got confused. So, so, so throwing the notes out out the door, and we're going to just stick to. Uh, hopefully, I can retain some information and gather what I need off the screen here. So, like I said, faith without works is dead. And of course, if you uh, remember. Uh, when I was doing the introduction about two years ago, <laughs> I think I'm thinking pretty well it was about that. Um, James and Paul, we made a comparison and we said that James and Paul have very different or what seems to be very different views. So on one end, you have James who's saying, uh, yes, you have faith, but you must have works. Where you have Paul, who says it's, uh, well, like I said, we're gonna read a lot of verses about it, but um, it's, it's all about faith uh, and not works. And you're gonna, like I said, we're gonna get some verses there for you. And uh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna read it right now. So it says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's a good point. Because if you are able to work your way to heaven, then if you said, Okay, well, if I'm good, uh, you know, if I I, I love people and I don't do anything really too bad, you know, then if that was good enough, if that was what the requirements were, then. It would really take away from what Christ has done. Christ wouldn't have had to die on the cross if, if your good stuff could have actually measured up. But it does isn't, not in the slightest, I can tell you that. So the reason why this is, why does, so why did Paul and James have these different views? Well, it's because they were dealing with different people. They were in different areas. And so Paul, the people who Paul was dealing with, they were, um, they had the idea that I think, um, that they, they wanted to, I mean, they, they were trying to use works. They thought, yes, I can work my way to heaven. That was kind of the attitude they had. But the attitude that the people who James were dealing with, they were thinking more along the lines that they just, it's like, no, I, I get the faith part, but let's just leave it at that. I don't, want to have to do, I don't want all this other stuff I have to do. You know what I mean? So, so there's a bit of, I don't know if you want to call it laziness. I'm not sure what you want to call it, but basically he was saying, no, if you don't have the works to go with the faith, it's dead. How do you have the evidence? So you're going to, see, we're going to like I said, we'll, we'll hopefully bring this all together um, in the chapter three. So, so it says here, it says, faith brings a person to salvation, works brings them to faithfulness. And I was thinking about that just uh, earlier today. I was thinking, when you, you, can, when you look at someone, and you, it could be a brother or a sister in the chapel, and he's like, "Why well, you know they are so faithful. And why is it that you can make that comment? It's because you can see that they, they come early. Maybe they set up the chairs. Maybe they are the first to pray for people. But you can tell when there's someone who's faithful uh, versus someone who has just faith. And um, it's because there is those, the works that kind of go with it. Actually, say this so when one becomes a true believer, there must be change, there must be evidence, there must be attitude, there must be deeds. And um, that's kind of trying, I guess, what I'm trying to get at, that when you have one, you ha- must have the other. And well, what if there isn't? Well, one needs to ask questions. If you have someone here, or you have some, and you, there is no evidence of any kind, like, there, like whether it's, Maybe they, it could be attitude, it could be that they never do anything. They, they might, maybe the, the life that they're living in no way you would say resembles a Christian. If they were standing beside someone else uh, who was just totally, uh, you know, just someone off the street, you, if you don't have, if there's no difference, if you don't recognize that there's something different from the, from the person who claims to be a Christian, then the, you have a problem. And like I said, you need to, when you ask these questions, you need to be prepared to actually um, act on the on the on the on the answers. It's not good enough to say, "Oh, why why don't I have this attitude I want?" You know, you need to find out. Well, why isn't there? Why is why do we believe there might be a problem? And as this is kind of these pictures kind of uh, indicate, you know, you don't get you don't get good fruit off a bad tree. And I think that's kind of what it says, uh, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, you know? And, and that's so true. So faith without works is dead. And when you have someone who is claiming to be a Christian, but you, there is no evidence, there's no works, there's no, there's no change in this person, then um, we need to be quite concerned. So, so, so like I said, we have a problem. Fruit trees must bear fruit. When they don't, it's one of three situations. So one of the situations that it could be is that it's an immature tree. In other words, if someone gets first saved, you don't expect instantaneously for everything in their life to be perfect. It can take time. The Holy Spirit, yes, will, I believe will absolutely work in every single person who becomes a Christian. But it's not necessarily a magic wand that can make all your bad habits disappear. So it's possible that as a person who has become newly saved, they might be, they're still growing into their, what it means to be a Christian and allowing the Holy Spirit to do this work. So if you don't see fruit right away on a new Christian, then that's probably not something you have to really worry about. Unless it stays that way, and then might you'd have a problem. It could be a sick tree. If you have a fruit tree, someone who's a Christian, and, they, and there is no fruit in their life, and you might wanna ask, is there a problem? Is there sin in their life? Because if there's sin, that will absolutely have a ripple effect. It will take, uh, it will take over, and um, unfortunately, it will become very evident, okay, if there's, if, if there's sin in, in someone's life. And n- n- then you have not all trees are fruit trees. It's possible that the person who you see think is maybe a Christian may not be a Christian. So that's something else you need to be considered. If you don't have any evidence, there's a possibility, a good chance actually, that maybe they're not. So Abraham and Isaac, there, this is a really wonderful picture of faith and works or trust, okay? Like, so for example, when Abraham, he, when he took Isaac, he, he did not grab uh, everything he, like he didn't take the, 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 the thing he needed to sacrifice, you know what I mean? Like something else, saying, okay, well maybe I'll figure a way out of it, okay? He didn't take on the responsibility of himself to figure his way out. He believed that God, he had that trust, that faith in God, that he would um, be faithful to him, and that he would uh, whether whether in whatever fashion he just figured God would take care of it right and and, and that 's exactly what happened and but if Abraham would have we'll say, okay you know maybe i better take a a ram with me or, or a sheep of some you know, if he decided to take something with him, then um, that would have taken away from the works because the works in the fact was the fact that he took what he needed, plus his son and uh, that you know, That's kind of the picture we're trying to paint. OK. So that brings us now to today's. So that was, like I said, just a review plus where we left off. So now we can kind of get started to today's message. Hmm. Okay, so like I said, we're in James chapter three today and it's slow to speak. So as I said, this is kind of the overview of the whole book of where we are. And so today, the two things that we really want to be diving into are, I should say, the the way that we divide chapter three up is is in two different sections. It is beware of the troubled tongue. And of course, the key to controlling the tongue. And as you know, if you just keep in mind, like what we're trying to do here is we're trying to lay out the roadmap, a practical guide to uh, what it is like to be a, to the Christian life, which is ultimately becoming a servant. So let's see. I'm gonna start off. Uh, I'm gonna read these two verses here. So it says, my brethren, be not many masters. Masters can be teachers. So uh, my brethren, uh, be not many teachers or masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we will offend all. If any man offend, not in word, the same is a perfect, or we're going, we could also say a mature man, and able, to all, and able also to bridle the whole, the whole body. Hmm. So as you see, this is vital, control your tongue. Here, it, it, for whatever reason, uh, I'm not sure how, why we were built the way we were built, but this little device that we have in our mouth seems to always revert to evil. Strange, right? But it, all, it does, it always works evil. So such a small little member can cause mass destruction. <laughs> he used the example, as you see, as you were gonna read here, it he uses the example in scripture. It says, uh, like a spark and a great forest. So of course, teachers, or I, and I like to actually broaden this up a little bit and say not just maybe teachers, but influencers, people who have influence over others I would like to say are also included in this, but for those who are influencers, teachers, are held to a higher standard. So greater the influence, greater the responsibility. So what that means is there's a standard. God is very strict. So if you're going to be in a position of such, it's going to be vitally important that when you are able to control your mouth or you control what you say, be thoughtful. Because if you're not, guess what? You will stand before God, and you're going to have to answer for that. There's an expectation that as someone who's an influencer, you're going to have that kind of beaten, if you, want, you might want to say. So, ways to offend people? Well, the, countless, right? I can think of lots of ways I offend people. I probably offend people every day, you know what I mean? But... Uh, if you're a person who can, if, if, who may, maybe you offend people, but if you, if, if by the word, like in other words, if it's the, the things you say, you're not offending people by the things you say, then that's maturity. So you may be able to control the tongue, but not its nature. So that's kind of an important kind of differentiation because when I was reading this, it, it was a little tricky. It was like, well, I don't quite, it says one kind of this look on one hand, you can see like you control it, but on the other hand, it says you can't control it. So what is it? But here's what it is. So you, a person can master or we'll say conquer, control the, the words that you come out. But the nature, the fact that your tongue wants to revert to evil, you can't control that. That's beyond us. And we're gonna see that in the next few verses. You can control the tongue, you can control the body. Another way to think about that maybe is that... Um, you can, you can control. If you can control your tongue, you can control. We'll say uh, the maybe the, the path that your life might take. Ah, oh, much better. So as I was saying before, you know, the real, really, it doesn't take a l- big thing to con- to get out of hand. So you know, the idea of this picture was the fact that I said like a spark, right? And I'm going to tell this little story. Even my, my parents are here, so they can, can t- they can confirm this. But I have to admit, when I was younger, I was a little kid. Well, okay, here I am. I was listening to my dad. He said to there was this. We had a bonfire the night before, and he said, "I want you to take these, uh, the ashes and stuff, and spread them out uh, in the kind of the little, little wooded area we had. And the idea, you know, because it would be good for you know gro- growing things and stuff eventually." he failed to mention that he had to be cold first hmm. and so i have to admit I, I put it all over there it was really nice no problems but it didn't take long before th- i basically burnt down the back of the backyard of some of mo- <laughs> the pylons <laughs> their whole they had the little forest and all gone <laughs> So, yeah, fire department had to come and put it out. But, (laughs) yeah, it's true. Um, So a little thing can turn into a big thing, right? And uh, a little bit in a horse's mouth can control the, 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 the direction the whole horse goes. A little rudder on a massive ship can control the direction it goes. So your tongue, though it be very little, can control a massive direction, and I'll call that, I'll say, maybe your life, okay? You can do a lot of destruction in your life if you don't let that, if you don't keep your tongue under control. Let's read that here. says, verses three to five. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth so that we may, so they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm or a rudder, with, with theresoever the governor Lysus I better get some drink here. Yeah, that's good. Uh, no, I'm going to go and read to five. So, even so, the tongue is a little member, it boasteth great things. Behold, how great ma- a matter a little fire kindleth. There's an example a little fire kindleth into a big massive forest fire, right? So, as we were saying here, I'll read verses six through eight, might as well. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and settleth or setteth on fire the course of nature, or that you could say, the course of life. And it is set on fire, or, and it is set on fire of hell. Now we're going to look at that a little bit more carefully, so let me read that. And it's set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of we go. so serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison So as you've kind of been saying here, even though it's like a little member, it can defile a whole person. It can change the way that your life was going to go. No one can tame the tongue. Now what I mean by that is it's is, is, is nature, right? Because like I said, we can certainly exercise reasonable control. We can, we can say, we, we can eventually with the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can certainly, um, you know, I don't want to say completely control it, but we certainly can exercise a a reasonable amount of control. But in fact, that it wants to revert to evil, that's its nature. We can't do anything about it. No, it will always want to revert to that evil, always. Well, you'll see here, it says on the bottom point, it says only the Holy Spirit has the power to subdue that nature. And believe me, that's, That's that's a day I look forward to, I mean, or but I don't know if it'll ever be complete while we're here. Garbage don't smell like roses. Hmm. Should not be both blessings and curses out of the same mouth. So. How can you say this? Well, let me read those verse 10 and 12 and it will say it for me and then I'll be able to expand on it. So out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs, So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. (sighs) So if you are not exercising the control, in other words, you're just allowing your tongue to flap and flip and do whatever it wants and it reverts to its old nature and it wants to then go to evil, well, guess what? You're going to smell like garbage, not roses. And what's going to happen is because the reality is, the old saying: you put one bad apple and a bunch of good ones. Do the good ones? Does the bad one turn good, or the or the good ones turn bad? Well, the bad ones, the good ones turn bad. You take a person, you say, okay, you know what? We know that uh, you know you mostly hang out with good friends, but you know what? It's okay for you to have this friend that's kind of uh, rough around the edges or you know goes down the wrong path. Well, guess what? You're going to go down the wrong path. Every time. Friends, good friends, keep it good. Bad friends will turn you bad. Th- you won't be able to turn them, believe me. Just talk to the apples and the good, bad apples, such a scenario. Yeah, it's true. I'm just looking here and it says, so, you know, you can't, if you have, I'm just saying, if you have a drink and you have something bitter to a sweet drink, well, guess what? It's bitter. It might be a little bittersweet, but it's going to be bitter. Do you know what I mean? If you have uh, s- uh, a fresh water and you add salt to it or you put salt water into it, it's salty. It doesn't say fresh. It goes bad. So my point is that you have to be very careful about uh, the controlling your tongue and where you go and what you allow to come out of it and exercising that because if you don't, it won't take long before before you smell like garbage, I guess. (laughs) if you wanna put it in one way? So heavenly wisdom versus demonic or, or earthly wisdom. So I'm gonna read chapter, I'm gonna read verse 13 here. Who is a wise man and end it with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation. His works with meekness of wisdom. Well, I guess before I continue, I guess I can kind of do a little kind of as you as you see here on the side. It, I moved from the section where we said beware of the troubled trunk, be will be be aware of the troubled tongue. We've now moved to think before opening your mouth. I think I meant to have that actually. Um, I forgot to switch that out, I, I, I had it to, um, I can't remember, it's on the other slide, but uh, the idea is, oh yes, I remember, it's the key to finding wisdom, I think that's what I had, the key to finding wisdom, yeah, something like that, the key to wisdom. So, this is kind of like a summary of everything that we've done, kind of, it's like a, we're taking a pause here, saying, okay, this is how far we've come, let's now do a summary. So in chapter one, we looked at uh, trials, okay? And, you know, and in that, we, like I said, we, it was about purification and, uh, well, I guess I'll just, re- here, let me just read just uh, this whole, this a whole few verses that will help make this make more sense. But if we have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in the place, or sorry, sown in peace of them that make peace. That sounds familiar. I mean, well, technically, if I had, if we had covered chapter one, two, three uh, all together, all right now, then I mean it would be fresh in your minds. But as I tried to kind of uh, summarize earlier. So like the very things that this is talking about, so when he's talking about willing to yield and full of mercy, well, that's those are things that we learn in chapter one, verses 21 to 27. When we looked about without partiality and hypocrisy, that is what we learn in chapter two, verses one through 13. And we look at peaceable and gentle, well, that's what we're covering right now. So, like I said, the idea of this is that we've now, you need to kind of take all the pieces from chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and put it all together into, I'll say, the practical guide of of becoming a servant, living that Christian life. And in this case, all these things we just learned, the pure, willing to yield, full of mercy, without partiality, hypocrisy, peaceable, and gentle, these are the ingredients, you might say, to wisdom, and we're going, in the next chapter, we're going to add humble, humility, and uh, a couple other little things, or big things, I should say. But we wanted to stop and take a pause right here and to uh, do um, a summary, at least that's how the book lays itself out. So heavenly wisdom is the key to controlling your tongue. You didn't think we are going to put it, pull it all together, huh? Well, there you go. That pulls it all together. So chapter one, chapter two, chapter three are the ingredients to wisdom. And then when you look at what wisdom is, it's the idea of controlling. Is it gives you the ability to control your tongue. So wisdom is the key to controlling your tongue. Just before I go there. So this is the end. Believe, wow, like we're just doing perfect timing here. Wow, that's amazing. So it's five to seven, and we're just about to we're just about to end. But the next three things I would highly recommend if you to write them down. So oh, I know, I know, you got your pen and paper. Excellent, excellent. She's on top of it. That's you know, th- great. Um, these are things that you can take for the, everywhere. Okay, these are what we call the three T's. The three T's. Okay. And you implement these into actions. Like I said, if the whole message just dissipates and crumbles to nothing, fine. But remember these three things, okay? Public, watch your tongue. If you think about it, if you go into the public and your tongue is just flapping and flipping all over the place and saying whatever it feels like, that is going to be a disgrace. You just, you just can't even imagine. So, public, watch your tongue. When you're home, watch your temper. This is a bad one for me, I'll be honest, you know? Uh, Yeah? (laughs) Uh, Don't talk to my parents about that. I don't wanna talk about that. Um, But when you're home, watch your temper. These are all things, like I said, that that are gonna help you pull together wisdom, okay? And when you're alone, watch your thoughts. So publicly watch your tongue, when you're home watch your temper and when you're alone watch your thoughts you and if you can I'll say exercise control in all these areas you're going to be doing really well so that's where we're going to end today so like I said this is James chapter 3 slow to speak hopefully everything will just be able to make sense and maybe we'll close in prayer do you want to have a song at this point? Okay, we want a song because we got one and a half minutes left, so make sure it's a short one. So well, that's perfect timing. So let me just close in prayer and then we'll have a song. Gracious God and Father, it's just so wonderful to be able to dive into thy word and to be able to just take out these little nuggets. So Lord, I, help, I, I ask that you would help implement these things into our lives, that you would work with us and that you would mold us and that we would be able to be a witness for your son and that we'd be able to be a light to others who are in darkness. I pray this in your son's holy name, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so I'm gonna just pause my little mute here and then we'll have a song. You are my all in all.